You're listening to You Play A What, a podcast by a musician for musicians. My name is Vincent and I play the euphonium. Join me as I sit down with successful musicians to talk about their specialization, inspirations, and career developments. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode 30 of You Play or What. I hope you had a lovely Christmas and is enjoying the final few days of 2020. So rounding up this year and bringing us into the new year with new hopes will be a two-part episode with my guest Daniel Bonaventure Lim, also known very dearly to some of us as Bonner. Daniel and I were living in Manchester within a period of three years and since then he has become a great friend that presents a refreshing view to the music industry. Since returning to Singapore, he has found ways to be involved in music communities and organisation whilst juggling with his day job. I hope you enjoy this first part of the episode as we speak about 2020 and Daniel's musical journey. And I also hope that you enjoy the introduction music that you're just about to listen to. Enough from me now. Please enjoy this episode of You Play A What with Daniel. My guest today is a busy man, but lucky for me, he is actually on leave at the moment. And what better opportunity to get him on the show and speak to me. As if he's not beloved enough as a practitioner, because he was brave enough to write a piece for Euphonium Quartet, he is now converting himself into a patron. Welcome to the show, Daniel. How are you doing today? I'm doing very, very well. Vincent, thank you for having me so on the show. You know, I'm a Big fan of your show. I'm always uh, listening to your latest uh, podcast and it's such an honor to be here. Absolute pleasure. You're too kind. You're way too kind. And thank you so much <laughs> for your support and tuning into the podcast and all the episodes. You know, it's uh, all that can that I can ever ask for. And, you know, wh- one of the regrets, I would say, when uh, we were living in Manchester was that I didn't manage to get to spend enough time with you. I feel like if I had, you know, had this opportunity to have more time to speak to you about our careers, the work that we do and all this kind of stuff, uh, my outlook for how I would choose to chart my path or my career path would be a little bit different than now. But then again, you know, these are all things that you say, but maybe I would have 
great concepts from you, but I've never put them into action. Anyway, I'm just happy that uh, we have this chance to to chat with each other today. Well, we it, what's in the past is in the past, and you know back then. You and I were both very studious Asians in uh, RNCM. <laughs> and so, you know, we can't be faulted for yeah. being so hardworking, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we have to live up to a, to a certain expectation of us, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, great. So, uh, how has uh, 2020 been for you? You know, we are really at the, the final few days of the year. Um, easy to say that this year has been difficult and not the best for most people. Uh, are you able to spin this to something positive? How has that been for you? Oh, yes. Um, 2020 has actually been a rather positive year for me. Um, so it definitely there was uncertainty within 2020. As you know, uh, I work in as a management consultant and this industry was hit pretty badly at the start of COVID um, because this job involves being down on the ground with the client um, and it involves traveling a lot because um, we need to be at the client side. Mm. Um, and this year, because of COVID restrictions and because of uncertainties within the the, bis- the businesses that our clients run, a lot of projects had to be cancelled. And so I would say in the first part of COVID, between March, April, May period, there was a bit of uncertainty about job security throughout the industry. Mm. Uh, thankfully, I was able to keep my job. And since then, it's been on 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 full swing and um yeah work has been work has um gotten back to to normal minus the traveling part and so this is where i think the positive part of 2020 has come in so without without the traveling part um i I, i've been able to find a lot more time in the week so um i would say i'd say probably about 15 hours a week from not traveling and this 15 hours has been enabled has enabled me to pick up a few more things um I think the last time we met, I mentioned that I, I was learning sign language. Yes, you something did. Something yeah. I'm quite interested in. Mm. Um, and on other than that, um, also not too long ago, I've also picked up um, adult swimming. <laughs> adult swimming classes. <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, uh, you know, this fish can't swim. And so uh, this, fish, this fish wants to learn how to swim. Yeah. Because you, you spend most of your time being studious your entire life, right? So now it's, it's time to, <laughs> to have fun and do some other activities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, in, in in general, it's been a it's been a pre- pretty positive year. I'd say it's about about recalibrating and reprioritizing, and then finding opportunities to take within this um extra time I've been given to uh really be productive and uh, focus on on things that develop myself as an individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds really really good. And, you know, within your current uh, industry at the moment, was it difficult for certain companies to pivot into this sort of more digital and um, less uh, physical interaction sort of mode of working? Because as you know, for a lot of us as um, band instructors or instrumental tutors, for a period of time, we have to pivot into doing online classes and getting used to listening to your students play from online. Um, yeah, has that been a challenge for your industry as well? So yeah, there was some challenge um, at the start. Um, firstly, when it comes to team communication, um, that was a challenge. So previously, we would be in teams and we'd be sitting physically on a table with one another just, um 
discussing the project work. Of course, that's not possible anymore. Mm. Um, and we now have to call in and hold conferences. Um, and of course, communicating across a digital medium, uh, like say Zoom or for, for my work setting, we use Microsoft Teams, mm. has been, uh, was unnatural at the start. It does, the conversations don't flow freely. And also meetings, uh, you know, when a meeting ends, conversations, um, the conversation stops. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, in, in, in real life, when you're on a meeting room with someone, when the meeting closes, as you're walking out the door, you can catch someone, ask them uh, questions and um, things like that. Mm. So I think that took some getting used to from our side, yeah. from my side, from the client side as well. There were some uh, challenges of yeah, adopting the technology being comfortable with the idea that um, we're not there on their site uh, with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I must say there's also some good things that come out uh, from it. So um, we, so like I said, we use Microsoft Teams and uh, there was there's this um, function in uh, Microsoft Teams where you all get to work on the same cloud file. Mm-hmm. And so like imagine working on the same PowerPoint deck or... Uh, Microsoft Word file and you're typing and you can see your your uh, teammate typing as well and you just all work on one file instead of needing to send things around mm. and yeah and it might sound it might sound um uh it might sound uh, like this is a uh, technology from years ago when we can use um when we use the what's that Google slides yes, and those sort of and, file sharing yeah, yeah file sharing yeah. thing I don't think the corporate side has really adopted it uh, that much until until now, and uh, and it's great. Previously, I like have to send slides, send individual slides over when once I'm done working on them. But now, that's not not the case anymore. So, mm. um, yeah, this that there. So to answer the question, yes, there was a period of of, of struggle and adjustment for everyone, uh, but I think it's getting better. And I think um, with with this um digital communications things can also become more uh, efficient mm, right yeah. yeah so yeah really nice to hear that uh, you have got uh, quite a good year although this year hasn't been uh, that great and didn't set up anybody to be uh, doing well and was this year important for you in terms of um, really settling into your job yeah it was an uh, it was an important year so uh, this would have been my first full year in in the job. My I joined the the, the firm in May twenty nineteen, and so this would have been my first full year within the job. I was actually looking forward to um, doing quite a bit of um, different projects, different traveling projects um, throughout the year. In twenty nineteen, um, although I joined in in May. I spent probably thirty to forty percent of my time outside of Singapore, mm. um, in in um, Vietnam, Malaysia, and Indonesia. And this year, I was ex- expecting um, more of that. Mm. Um, but in the end, my project still turned out to be o- uh, overseas, but all from Singapore. Yeah, I'm. Um, I was, you know, looking forward to creating a a, a bigger impact within the projects I did, and thankfully. I, mm. I wonder if actually um, all this um, digital communications has um, allowed me to to do that because maybe when I'm hiding behind my computer and my hiding mm. behind my web uh, webcam, I can I can more <laughs> bravely say what I think. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, for sure. I, I, I think there's, there's a certain, uh, a truth to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- that's great, and I think, you know, you, you, ha- you've had such a fantastic year or, or great year, by, by your accounts at least. Uh, of course, the same can't be said about your football club, but we're, <laughs> but we're, we're not getting to the discussion. Uh, there were hype. Let's not forget that the, there were good points in the year. The, they won the FA yeah. Cup. They won. Um, yeah. And they actually beat Liverpool. They, they, so, they beat Liverpool. Yeah. They won the Community Shield. You know, let, yeah. uh, let not the present results uh, determine yeah. their, their, their success that they previously found just a few months ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I, we're keeping our work in progress. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, uh, it's definitely yeah, work it's... in progress. Uh, but for any yeah. Arsenal fan listening out there, I am Arteta in. Uh, that, okay, there you go. Yeah, and yeah, we're not gonna. You're not gonna sing lower than a fifteen for sure, right? So, <laughs> ouch, ouch. Uh, yeah, yeah, that hurts. Yeah, <laughs> cool, cool. So, uh, look, you know, you've mentioned a little bit about the work that you do at the moment, and it sounds like it is extremely busy and hectic, and it's full on, right? It's project after project, and you, if in the ideal world, you'll be spending time. Uh, away to in different countries with your clients and stuff like that uh, currently do you still have time to compose and do you still compose so about finding the time to compose finding time is always a, a bit of a challenge um mm. because of the the nature of my work and how how full-on it is um yeah. so i would say finding but with that said um finding time is a it's, it's really about finding time. That means reprioritizing things. Um, mm. That means less time for, um, for for things that are not important at, at that point of time when I need to compose and then put in composition first. So, uh, so to answer that question, do I have time to compose now? The answer is a lot less. Um, but would I be able to still find time to compose? Um, Yes, I'll be able to find time to compose. I, I strongly believe in our in our abilities to reprioritize things such that we can find time to to do the things we need that uh, we need to do. Mm. Um, but on top of that, um, the year twenty twenty has been quite an interesting year. Um, and I actually found myself, you know, when it came to looking at my musical activities in the year ahead and thinking what I need to do. Um, with regards to my, my musical life uh, and with regards to the musical activities, I found myself mm. realizing that uh, fulfilling comp- uh, certain compositions um, had to take the back burner at a point of time and taking a different role within the musical communities that I'm involved in um, was more important. So, for example, um, I'm involved in a, in a church choir um, where I, I conduct one of the, the choirs and usually within this a special season, say close to Easter or close to our feast day or close to Christmas, I would compose a, a new work for them. Mm, or, okay. Yeah, or And you still do that at the moment? I still do that at the moment. But for right. but for um not necessarily compose a new work, sometimes it's just a, a new arrangement. Mm. Um and and or or taking up um um offers this year to, to write certain things. So there was, there was one uh, opportunity during the, the peak of COVID where I was asked to, if I wanted to write a, a song 
you know, one of those uh, uplifting songs saying we can do it, we can, we we will get there, <laughs> all that uh, sort of things. So, yeah, yeah, that those uh, uh, slight propaganda kind of thing. Uh, okay, your, <laughs> your your words, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, anyway, um, so, yeah, and I realized, um, yeah, actually, that I I felt like that was not what was needed at the moment, and what was really needed was to find a a way to get the muse the people who are involved in my musical community to 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 get them continuously engaged so they don't fall off um they don't they don't fall away from the community the fine mm. fine activities that that can can pull them in and so from composer i moved on more to the role of uh producer of um of these virtual choir videos um within mm, okay. w- within the the community the music community i'm most regularly involved in now which just happens to be my church choir um and and yeah and so throughout the year i've been busy producing um virtual choir videos and these these um, projects are are not small by any means because actually they take uh about at least a month leads up time um or a month and a half in in more ideal cases for it to Mm. be completed and it for for people i mean the idea is as a producer, I produce um, an instructional track for them to follow, and, yeah. and then um, individuals who are not necessarily musically trained, you know, amateurs can really pick it up, um, record themselves, submit their recording, and then see themselves become part of a virtual choir, um, no matter what level of um, musical capability they are at, um, mm. and, and still find a way to for them to be connected with the community. Uh, yeah. I felt like that was my my uh, role this year in my musical life in COVID. Mm, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, you brought up such a good point because as people who are doing this full-time, we don't... Uh, th- this whole uh, video and online uh, virtual concert thing has become a little bit of hassle at some point especially, you know, as we were coming out of this uh, circuit breaker phase, uh, phases, right, as we were uh, loosening up the the restrictions and things like that. But I think we also forget that for these uh, amateur musicians who are always uh, deeply engaged in their communities, that putting up this virtual uh, concert and performance is actually could actually be quite special for them. Yeah. And it yeah, it could be, you know, thing something that they've done for the first time or only once or twice in their life are they going to be part of something like that. So I think sometimes as professionals we forget that this sort of little things would actually bring quite a good amount of joy to the amateur musicians. Yeah, absolutely. So think of it as um I, I, I think of it as um, if COVID had, had not happened, right, there wouldn't this be this disruption that happened that would make us reconsider how we interact with, say, the audience or amateur musicians. So mm. if, if, if this disruption didn't happen, we'd probably just continue on our way without um, much consequence and proceeding mm. with our, how we would usually engage with with uh with audience and you know that that would mean that that pool of audience that we reach out to or that pool of um musicians that we engage with 
would still very much remain the same. Um, yeah. Disruption from COVID either makes us, uh, it leads to obviously uh, one of two ways, right? Either your pool becomes smaller and you shrink it because you don't find a good way to engage with them or mm. or your pool just and um, increases massively because now you have an opportunity to really reevaluate how you engage with the the people that you want to reach out to, and um, yeah. if you do it correctly, if you do it with them in mind, uh, the ability to to expand is is enormous. Yeah, for sure, and I think yeah, the your your church choir is, you know, should be very happy to have you on, on the team to continue to engage. Like you said, the people you seek to to reach out to, right? I think that is so important that we do the work for the people that really matters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And but you know, it's not just about uh, my church choir and and the, and the project that I was involved in. But if we look at the, the the larger scene in Singapore, the initiatives that were put in place. I mean, if we think about the different projects that came about, right? And of course, mm. every let's talk about digital concert. But digital concert is is it's just it's just a medium how it was executed how it um yeah how it's executed is really what differentiates who who won and who lost in this whole entire new approach to digital concerts mm. and i've seen digital concerts where there are 20 people who are tuning in and i've seen digital concerts where there are um 100 people um tuning in and of course 100 is you know um in in previously we would have said that oh you know Hundred okay. Firstly, of course, twenty. We know that is that is um that's a small amount, and and um, probably it could have done better. But hundred, mm. I think hundred live listening audience um at one point in time, it's 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 a new number that we need to accept um as yeah. a number that is uh pretty good, and mm. what, um and of course that's in just a starting place. But um, what I really wanted to say is that. Yeah, when we look at how people have approached digital concerts, you know, there are some digital concerts that with great production value, with great marketing, and with great programming and timing of the event, they were mm-hmm. able to really capture anyone who wanted to, to listen and anyone who is just chance who might just have chanced upon it uh mm. upon on, on social media. Yeah, and the great programming part, the great production part, the great timing part—that comes from those who, who those who are great. Really think thought about it from the audience point of view. You know, it's a real customer centric approach. Um, mm. It's uh, an approach in business they call design thinking, where yeah. you're really thinking about what the user wants, what, uh, what. Um, yeah, what the end user wants mm. and uh, what would draw them to your product. Yeah. Which is slightly different, I think, from uh, the way traditional concerts ran. Traditional concerts ran with, oh, I think we have a good program idea. Um, this theme would be very interesting um, because... We liked it basically. <laughs> yeah, the, the musicians really wanted to do it, yeah. right? I, I, the musicians really wanted to play these pieces of music, mm. and then therefore it will be a, a great concert. Yeah. Whereas I think the the really successful digital concerts have shown this real business design thinking um approach, which I think is is fantastic. Mm, for sure, and I think with each group, 
it's also the, the idea that you designed who you're going to reach out to and what type of uh, a psycho or demographic are you are you targeting, right? Because yeah. you know, like you said, a uh, hundred. Uh, people tuning at the same time is a pretty good number. But mm. also at the same time, 20 might mean that you need to improve. But mm. if your general target audience is super niche, then maybe 20 is a good number for you as well. So it's all kind of, it, it comes down to how you design your your product and your concert and who you're engaging and you gauge, I guess, how successful it is based on that. Definitely. And, and actually also, yeah, I, that's, that's a very good point you raised and it, it leads me to think about um, the risks and the projects we can, we, can, we can take. So previously, if you wanted to put on a concert, you need to rent a venue and that is high capital cost at the start already. Mm. But now with, um, with um, this opportunity, with, with digital concerts um, hopefully becoming more normalized, you can start um, producing concerts which are more low cost and that means being able to take up the projects you're most passionate about. I mean, I think one thing that comes to mind is how great and the, the great work that your your group Co is doing. Oh. Um, that recent series with uh, composers, mm. and it's um, you know, it might in in a in a traditional sense, there might have it might have been a risky idea mm. to to rent a venue to play f- just four works of um, local composers. Mm. But with this new digital setting, you produce month uh, weekly episodes, which you know, um, um, I, I, which I think are probably low cost um, versus um, renting a, a venue. Oh yeah, and, for sure. As compared to, uh, yeah, putting up a, a show like uh, uh, yeah. putting up a show, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you get to uh, pursue these passions, uh, passion projects um, at a much more. Uh, available rate and mm. uh, yeah, and that and that's great. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, there's some kind of like uh, frugality in the in the operations for sure, and of course uh, we we received funding as well from the arts council, so that also helped. Uh, but I think if if we were to do this live, the cost would be probably more than this. Yeah, mm. and and within that concert that series that you guys did, you also get to test out. Um, you get to test your hypothesis on. On what engages an audience, right? With Michelina, um, um, doing those interviews at the mm. at the start and the end, yeah, and and just talking in general, mm. and for the composer to really explain themselves, and and those are things you get to test in in these new formats, which 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 were you know good opportunities that would not have happened if this this disruption of COVID didn't exist. Mm. Definitely, absolutely agree with you. So yeah, there is some uh, good things. And silver lining uh, to come out of this uh, whole situation. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And so now let's talk a little bit about this song that the um, listeners have already heard in the introduction. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about what this song is about because it sounded to me like it came out from Sesame Street. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what what was this? Uh, how how did you uh, go about with this composition? Oh, that's a that's a high compliment that you just gave me that came out from Sesame Street. <laughs> um, this um this piece is actually written back in twenty sixteen, so it's a pretty old piece, but I would consider it my most successful piece, and it's my most successful piece because it's my most regularly played piece. Mm. It, the theme song of Esplanade's Octopus Octoburst Festival is a children's festival in October. Okay, and um, every year since since I wrote it, they've been playing it. 
and um, it's for Pip. In the Pip mentioned in the, in in the song is a mascot, the mascot for the uh, for the festival. Mm. The brief that came in to me was we needed a one minute song that is um, that's for children that gets them excited, and it must represent the the races of Singapore. Mm. I was like, okay. Wow. Okay. One minute song, children's song, engaging and inclusive. Okay, what do I do for yeah. The, yeah. yeah, inclusive and ensure racial diversity in a song. Mm. You know, um, and um, this part about, you know, the the racial diversity is a fair is a fair request because they um you know want you know want to create something that is um Singaporean sound in nature. Mm. It's something uh, um any composer would be keen on exploring uh anyway. Yeah. Um, and I think I fulfilled the brief quite well at the end of the day, because um, how I fulfilled this uh, portion on 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 diver- racial diversity within the music was uh, basically through instrumentation, right? Um, so uh, the Ma- Malay race is uh, through the ukulele sound. Um, the ukulele sound um, follows the style of Malay music called karonchong music. Mm-hmm. Um, um, with regards to the flute that you hear, it's a dizu, so that's Chinese checked off. Um, the Indian part was played on the mrindangam, mm-hmm. um, and um, and the drummer was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then the Eurasian part was the double bass in the background. I see. And so yeah, it's um, I'm really pleased about that that piece. Uh, it it you know. When I share people with people my music, uh, you know, which you know, it's you know, typically, uh, a, f- a few minutes long, right? Mm. At least that, that it always takes time to build up into it, and um, and and you know, to reach to reach a, a point in the music where, let's say, the climax in the music where people can uh, really uh say that oh yeah yeah that I felt something there. Mm. But with this piece, right? You know, people ask what have you composed? I just throw this piece out, you know, in the first. The first three seconds already when the when the kid's voice enters, yeah, uh, it's 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 a winner. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. get that. Yeah, I, it it shocked me a little bit the first time I heard it. To be honest, I was like, mm, "What's this?" I was like, I was like, "Oh, okay, now this is interesting." Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this these are the kind of works that uh, a composer should be doing as well. I believe you know, mm. um, not just um, serious proper music, mm. but also some uh, light music as well. Yeah, and I mean it's a, it's it's kind of like a different skill set in a way, isn't it? To design something that is, um, that has a certain sort of general appeal. Yeah, definitely, and and um, complete user centricity. So, all I'm trying to do is thinking about how can I fulfill the brief that will fulfill what my client wants to do with their target audience. Mm, mm. Um, and um, that definitely changes um, uh, the perspective and the, the compositional approach. Yeah. And I think this approach, it, it's hard to, to argue with it, no matter if you're writing something with general appeal or not. If you stick to those rules, it's hard to imagine you not getting paid for the work that you do, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if work comes with a brief and you fulfill the brief... Uh, there's no way someone shouldn't should not be not paying you. Yeah. So, mm. so yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So now let's go on to the question of when did we first meet? 
Any recollections of this for you? Hmm. Uh, do you want to start off that one? <laughs> oh, why don't I? Why don't I throw this <laughs> into your side and uh, and, and see what you have? Right. What you say. Right. Okay. So uh, f- for me, it must be 2012 at Orchestra Collective. Were you in Orchestra Collective in 2012? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that must be our the first time we have been in the same space together in a rehearsal, and. I mean, I I must be honest with you. You and I, we don't, we haven't spoke a lot before we went to Manchester. I just remembered yeah. uh, I was hitching a ride from you after a TPO rehearsal. I think we were doing yeah. the ride of spring or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was hitching a ride mm-hmm. from you to maybe the the train station or somewhere or supper. I can't remember. And that was already when I found out that you were going to go to Manchester in a few months time, I think. Mm. Yeah. So we had a, a casual chat, which I believe you absolutely have no recollection of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically we, we discussed about like what made us choose to go to INCM and things like that. You know, those difficult questions you ask yourself when you are still young and you're still deciding on which school to go to. Uh, yeah. yeah. But nothing about, you know what? What the what we have actually signed up for when we enter music college. So yeah, that's it from me. Yeah, now I totally regret letting you go first. Because <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say uh, RNCM. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, but then of course, uh, you and I we were a year apart when we went to to Manchester. So. Yeah. After you went, and then of course I connected with you, uh, I think via Facebook or something like that, before I left. And then, yeah, we've been, we, like I said, we've not um, hung out a lot when we were in Manchester together, but definitely um, we, uh, we knew. We kept, yeah, yeah, kept, we kept track of each other. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. you wrote a, a piece for my phonium quartet, which I'm super grateful for. And I actually do remember us having a chat right outside halls for probably a good 20 or 30 minutes. Just, I, you must have been in your final year. And we were just talking about, you know, what's life going to be like after graduation. So it was, it, I, I remember I really enjoyed that conversation. It was, mm. yeah. Uh, a very real, you know, we are talking about like, you know, what you're going to do when we head back to Singapore. Are we, uh, I think I asked you if you're going to study some more and all, all this kind I, of stuff. Yeah. I give you a very clear answer <laughs> when you asked me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, good. I mean, uh, good to see, um, you know, how your, your career has progressed so far since coming back for about three and a half years. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, come back in twenty seventeen. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I think you you've done some yeah, pretty amazing things. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. within yeah. a very short period of time. Thank you. I mean, it is, um, you know what music college provides us and what it equips us with is really a very special set of skills that prepares us for, for life. I think in many mm. ways, both both a personal life and also a pr- professional life. Yeah. And um, when I, now when I get to know more about the university experience, the college experience of, of non-musician peers mm. uh, that I have, 
I'm very grateful for for going through um, that this path um, because you know there's so much that we take away from music college and the music education and uh, an artistic education which is often overlooked by the craft itself mm. the craft of composing the craft of playing euphonium mm. the whole college experience is 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 very very different yeah definitely yeah that, i mean college experience for music students comes down to comes down a lot to our principal studies right that one niche that we are doing and that sort of like in a way <laughs> decides whether sometimes we have a good day or not right exactly yeah if you have a good yeah. day composing and things just flow really well if you have a good day in a practice room you your day is then defined to be pretty nice but then yeah, yeah when it doesn't then it's yeah it affects us the completely opposite way Right. Yeah. I. Yeah. I, in fact, I. I wouldn't limit it to just a, a day. Right. It would be the whole entire week before the next principal class, uh, <laughs> yeah. study class comes along. Right. Because yeah. if you're behind on your, if you're behind on your practice or behind on your composition, mm. and and you've been called out for that, right? Then the whole entire week is like, how can I get uh, ahead of it? Yeah. And uh, and basically all plans, all the plans you made for that week to go to old. Trafford or whatnot, just go down the drain because you're like, oh crap! I need to really practice. If not, uh, my teacher is gonna give me another good one in the ass. Uh, yeah. Uh, come well, the, come the well, for that particular example, nobody wants to go to Old Trafford anyway. So yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but absolutely, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. So yeah. right now, why don't you share with us a little bit about your how you get how you got started with music? And how things has grew from there, and how it has led to where you are today. Okay, strap in your. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'll keep it short and sweet. I think my musical journey really uh, started um, when I was around fifteen. So I've been learning the flute. I picked up the flute from from the school band. Mm. Um, I was in Catholic high band, and it was a very privileged band because we had a flute tutor. Uh, uh, who was a fantastic tutor. Her name is Tsai Wenshu. Mm. She's a Taiwanese flautist that studied um, in Vienna. Um, so really strong fundamentals. But her full-time job wasn't to be a flute teacher. Her full-time job was to be a pastor's wife. Oh. Um, her, her husband's a pastor. So she, she um, doing teaching flute was a, a, was a part-time, part-time thing for her. Mm. Um and she really helped me develop some fundamentals. Oh, um, before that, I should also mention that, yeah, I, I did learn, um, uh, was learning piano um, prior to this mm. with a really, really nice uh, piano teacher who just put like zero pressure on me. Um, actually, she's the mother of a mutual friend of ours, uh, Li, Li Yuting. Ah, okay. Uh, I see. Right. Yeah. Mm. And and um, she, basically, she... she 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 really let me go at my own pace, and that really meant like playing Beethoven's for at least for maybe two months, right? Uh, because because I just wanted to play that every <laughs> lesson, every lesson, and then telling. But it, it was interesting because she's very nurturing to to my musical ideas. Um, and I told her like um, you know, I think this part 
I don't like what Beethoven did. I wish he had done this instead. And then I'd play it and then she'd be like, you know, but this is what he wrote. I said, yeah, but that's, it's not nice. And, uh, <laughs> you and, know and, nothing, <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then uh, after the, after the Fernie's phase is over, I'll be like, you know what? I've been listening to Richard Clayderman and oh my goodness, his music is so good. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> you know, just like Richard Clayderman for, for months on end. Right, right. Uh, uh, so you know, I, so these first two music music teachers, I'm um, forever greatly indebted to them for the patience mm. that they afforded me because um, I was by no means um, uh, a a good student, um, very very short attention span, very low discipline. Mm. Um, but they they stuck with me, and uh, then when I was so so back to when I was fifteen. Um, we had a new band instructor join Catholic High Band. His name is Dr. Leonard Tan. Mm. And he really um, gave me a great opportunity. He One day he said to me, have you ever heard of the Singapore National Youth Orchestra? Then I said, um, well, I know one of my seniors, uh, Tae Yun Song, is playing in, in it. Um, what about it? He said, um, why don't you go and audition for it? Mm. And, um, and I was, you know, you, you don't know when you're ready for these things, basically he, he gave me an opportunity to audition and he said, okay, come down to CCAB this Saturday and you audition. <laughs> so he was, No pressure, he was, right? <laughs> no, 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 no pressure, just giving you, you know, four days advance notice uh, to prepare for an audition. Yeah, okay. Um, but I went down for the audition um, and I was, and I thankfully uh, got a place in the main orchestra immediately. Mm. The audition was in the morning. They said, Daniel, can you come back in the afternoon for um, for rehearsal? And then I'm like, okay, yeah, just come in uh, <laughs> some place, uh, side, read some music. Mm. Um, and that's when I first learned that, oh, there's a concert in three weeks' time and you're going to be playing for it. And so, uh, you know, great, uh, great, uh, great timing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a matter of right place, mm. uh, right time. We were playing a incredibly difficult um piece called uh, Death and Transfigurations Tod Un Verklarung ah. by Richard Strauss yeah. and we were also playing uh, Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto with a young Lena Beltio as a soloist mm. I think I was uh, there at that concert you know really? I was, I was in the audience I think yeah. right. but I mean, I'm not going to take the spotlight away from you yeah please, please. Yeah. Carry, carry on yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, and that was really the beginning of of, of a musical journey that that um that led to many fantastic memories and also very close friendships. So uh, I always remember like being incredibly nervous about the, the first rehearsal for with with the orchestra. But you know, on my left there was this super solid player named Jasper Gold, uh, yeah, uh, who basically like just like could lead the whole entire thing. And uh, you know, when you have him, when you have him as your principal, right? Uh, it's happy days. Yeah. You know. Oh, sorry, Jasper wasn't a. Uh, yeah, sorry, Jasper was two seats away from me. I was playing uh, third flute. I think uh, Jasper was playing first and in the middle there was a guy named uh, Mark. Okay. Uh, that's where that's where it started. Mm. Let's fast forward a few years um, to SAF Band um, where SAF Band was a fantastic opportunity because it was basically where I got to really keep, become much closer to 
this group of friends who I was growing up with in the youth orchestra already. Mm. So from a bi-weekly base, uh, from seeing them twice a week, it became seeing them six times a week. Um, so we soon got very sick of each other's face. Like uh, Anchun, <laughs> for example, we just like, oh my god, it's him again. And you hear him, right? Before you can see him, you just already hear him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anchun, if you're listening to this, those were all Vincent's words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Daniel, before the interview, Daniel told me to, to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and. Um, you know, it was just being a, about being in, in an environment with musical people and musical friends who strive for uh, high levels of music making. Um, and yeah, and just being in the environment really develops you in, in a musician. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that our musical development doesn't come more, doesn't come mostly from our teachers, but it comes mostly from our peers. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, being having that two years in NS, uh, just being around those peers, I think it really uh, um, accelerated my my musical development. Mm. Fast forward to RNCM where, yeah, wow, RNCM, it, it, was, it was a different world altogether. Yeah. So, uh, wait, uh, one, one second, Daniel, before, we, before I let you carry on. So, at, at which point did you decide that, right, I'm going to go to a conservatory? Yeah, was this like end of secondary school? You already made up your mind? Yeah, I think um, I made up my mind quite early on. I would say probably when I was uh, 16, 17, 18. And my, my reason for one... Th- okay, I mean, the first, it was the reason to go to study music. Mm. So the, 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 the decision to study music happened quite early on. And that decision was motivated by the idea that honestly, truthfully, there was nothing I was more interested in studying for four years exclusively mm. uh, other than, than music. Okay. You know, we, we talk, we can, we can discuss whether, um, you know, if I could have studied anything else, if I was good enough to go and study and, uh, you know, uh, say, um, other things like finance or, or whatnot, mm. um, that that were all possibly options. But genuinely, if there's something that I was interested in studying for four years exclusively, the answer was music, and it was the only right answer. I felt mm. with regards to a conservatory edu- uh, education, uh, that that decision came in much later when I was doing my applications. So the applica- during applications when. Uh, when we're going through UCAS, right? Mm. Or KUKAS, something like that. Yeah. Uh, we were thinking, uh, I, I had those thoughts, you know, what is um, the conservatory education versus the university education. And mm. I think um, for me, it was because I went into college knowing full well that when I graduate, I wouldn't want to become a full-time musician. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't want a career in music okay. that made... It made me ironic. It, it, maybe it doesn't sound that smart, but um, because I knew that, I wanted to make sure that I get the full on experience of of leading a musical life mm. for once. The rigor and, of uh, a musician or a music student, as they say. Yeah, exactly. Mm. What basically how people always described um, conservatory to me 
is that conservatory is practical and university is theoretical. And so if you like the academic side more, go to university. If you like, if you just want to be playing music, go to conservatory. Mm. And I think that was very true. Mm. And uh, that's a very accurate representation. Yeah, it's like craft-driven uh, or academically driven, right? Is this, yeah. yeah. Mm. Both of which are incredibly important. Yeah. It really depends on on where you sway. And of course, I wanted to get the, the full rigor of that musical life. Mm. Um, that's why I decided on conservatory. Mm-hmm. Four years in RNCM, what an experience it was. When I first entered, um, um, my year accepted a, a, a irregularly large batch of uh, compo, compo, uh, composition students. So, you know, it, it was really my luck that I made it into into this batch. Because, because it's a large batch, then there's so many more peers to learn from. Mm. The the program, the composition program in RNCM was, I think, also at this stage really starting to explode because previous alumni who had recently graduated was just making the school um, much more on the radar and much more acclaimed in the composition world. Mm. Fair enough, you know, I, I really, uh, I'm really proud of the fact that I came from RNCM's uh, composition uh, faculty because some of the alumni that, that has been produced are, I mean, while I was a student there, there was this uh, composer named Tom Harold. Mm. While I was in first year, he was a first year postgraduate, and when I heard his music, I was like, "Oh, I, I just want to write like him." Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, his music was um, still, still, still blows me away today. The, mm. the amount of the amount of bravery and the amount of boldness in the writing is 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 was something that I really really strived for. Mm. Um, also entering um, RNCM at the time, I was the only Asian student um, in the faculty throughout all the years. And, oh. um, you know, being new to the, to overseas education and being all alone, I also really felt like I had something to prove. Um, mm. Yeah. Thankfully, a year later, more Asians uh, started, started yeah. coming in and, and, uh, you know, it it shouldn't matter, but for some reason, it it does a uh, it does it does uh help when you when you see uh similarly featured faces uh, mm-hmm. yeah in, in around you yeah I, I think it, it's a uh, it's a maybe it's some kind of like tribe mentality or, or or whatever it is, but the the overseas or the Asian students are are in this bracket when we are uh foreign students, right? So the Asian students, yeah. it, all of a sudden, nationalities uh, don't really matter. We are all sort of like, that. There's this, it's much easier to build connections with them. You know, yeah. even though we are from very different uh, countries or from very different cultures or upbringing. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And, but also with, with that said, by being the only Asian student, that really forced me to break out of the bubble and really be forward and and slightly more extroverted with meeting uh, the people in my in my uh, in my faculty mm. and, and and yeah and just uh, being all around uh, a more friendly and approachable person mm. yeah I think definitely in terms of being the the only sort of Asian in your department I think 
that the interaction that you get or the interaction that you are forced to do with the local students or say the American students or the European students uh, is of uh, great value because I have seen some of my my friends who are not studying in music college but they usually just hang out in a group of within a group of Singaporeans. I think it takes away so much of the experience of studying overseas, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And as a composer, it also uh, forced me to really consider my my identity, right? Mm. It suddenly made me much more invested and interested in exploring what my identity is with regards to my race or my nationality. And, you know, this sort of... It's, it's a good way as a starting point to really find your, in a way, uh, individual compositional voice, right? Mm. Um, and um, so that was, yeah, that was um, RNCM. I'll fast forward from RNCM, zoom through the four years of um, RNCM. Of course, a fantastic highlight for me in my four years there was writing a euphonium quartet. <laughs> uh, sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, pride and joy. <laughs> Uh, yeah. can, can you at least not make it sound so hesitant and so <laughs> so unconvincing you not hesitate when I when I said that no? it's like, uh, yeah it's a great joy uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, so after graduating I, I made the decision to come back to uh, Singapore mm. um uh for several reasons, um, and I think one of the driving reasons was um, I felt that the oh so okay you knew my dad that I wasn't I, I didn't want to work in the music scene full time already, mm. and at the same time I felt that the environment in the UK at that time this was you know um, this was uh, one year after the referendum was uh, placed yeah. right so. I just got the general sense that um, things were a bit on the down for the UK uh, jobs market. Mm. So any young graduate to find a suitable, uh, uh, to find a job that they would consider suitable would be incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I made my way back to Singapore and took some time to think about what kind of career I wanted. And I was very sure that I wanted a career with one foot in the creative world, but one foot in the corporate world as well, mm. which led me to joining the advertising industry right, or mar- the world of marketing. Mm. So I was very lucky uh, to get a job at this uh, company called Tribal Worldwide, um, which is part of DTB Group, um, as a content strategist. And I worked there for a year and a half. Mm. As a content strategist, my 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 job was to really essentially uh, provide marketing consulting uh, by provi- by thinking about marketing strategies for my client, particularly in digital marketing. Mm. Um, it was also another case of right place, right time. That when I joined, um, there was some handover of accounts because uh, people were leaving the company or people were moving on to different appointments, and so I was handed two very interesting accounts. Uh, one is called. Volkswagen Singapore and that one is called Heineken Singapore. Mm. So when people ask me what I do, I say I convince you to buy expensive cars and get drunk. Mm-hmm. 
You have been listening to You Play A What, hosted by Vincent Tan. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button so that you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends if you feel so inclined. The theme music for the podcast is entitled Midnight Affairs and is composed by Algirdas Matonis and recorded by Vincent Tan. Thank you so much for listening to You Play or What? Until next time. Thank you.